Hey everybody, this is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast for Tuesday, October 8th, 2019. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire, and I'm inviting you to make sure you are subscribed to this podcast. We do this every Monday through Friday, and if you want to stay connected and get the latest episodes, make sure you're checking us out on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Subscribe, rate, review. Your feedback really does help us out with improving the show, and of course, it does help with the placement on those different podcasting platform so if you want to help support the show and spread the word that would be very much appreciated we have a couple other ways you can stay connected with the podcast as well you can follow us on twitter at locked on nittany and we've revamped the facebook page so check out facebook.com slash locked on nittany we're going to be posting some things there as well moving forward throughout the weekend maybe we'll throw a couple original things in for facebook a couple unique things on twitter we always have those accounts ready to go as we get you through the week uh, getting ready for Penn State's next game. And this week, Penn State is playing the Iowa Hawkeyes. And you know that series history, but we're going to dig into that just a little bit more today. we we'll kind of recap some of the recent games. And, of course, in our first segment, we will start off our show by taking our first look at the Iowa Hawkeyes, kind of get caught up on their season to date, maybe see what we have in store going into this weekend's game. In segment two, we'll take a look at a couple key players for the Iowa Hawkeyes, couple guys that you're definitely going to be hearing their names um, one way or the other on Saturday night in Iowa City as Penn State takes on Iowa in prime time. And then in segment three, we're going to go into a little bit more of a serious topic of discussion that really popped up last night for anyone who was following along with some of the tweets that were being put out by some players online. Uh, A little bit of a disturbing letter from an older alumni, I guess, if you will. Uh, So we got to touch on that subject a little bit. But without any further ado, let's get this show started and let's hop into our first segment of the show. It wasn't all that long ago that Penn State seemed to have a real problem beating Iowa. Iowa was just one of those teams that popped up on the schedule and you knew Penn State was going to be in for either a dogfight or there was a upset brewing just waiting to happen. And far too many times it seemed that Iowa just gave Penn State the fits. There was just nothing that frustrated Penn State more than Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa Hawkeyes. And of course, there were some key games that really highlighted the the low points for Penn State in this Iowa series. But Penn State comes into this weekend having won five straight meetings against Iowa, dating back to when Bill Bryan was the head coach, and of course, continue with James Franklin. And of course, the last two seasons have seen some real good games between these two teams. And we should begin for yet another one this weekend in Iowa City, as Iowa will return home after a tough loss last weekend against the Michigan Wolverines in Ann Arbor. So what has Iowa been up to this season? Well, they're going to come into this game ranked number 17 in the AP poll. They did drop a couple spots after their loss to Michigan, which was to be expected, but it was a 10-3 loss. So you know that this Iowa defense is going to be the story of the game. And we're going to talk a little bit about that moving forward in our next segment. But what has the season been telling for Iowa so far this year? So the season's opened up with a pretty comfortable win a win against Miami Ohio 38 to 14 and then they open up Big Ten play in their second game of the season against Rutgers and of course I will beat them 30 nothing not a whole lot you can get out of those first two games of course uh, because the level of competition just isn't all that impressive but that's why the road win at Iowa State in their third game of the year that to me was a little bit more impressive because I think of what 
Iowa State was supposed to be this year. You know, maybe Iowa State isn't quite the team that was expected of them this season, but an 18 to 17 victory in that rivalry game, that's always a hard fought game either way. And I feel like that was a pretty good testament once again that this Iowa defense is going to be a problem. Giving up only 17 points at Iowa State, that's a pretty good accomplishment. And I think giving up only 10 points to Michigan, say what you will about that Michigan offense, this uh, this Iowa defense is pretty legitimate. And we saw that again in their home game against Middle Tennessee State in between the Iowa State and Michigan game. Uh, Middle Tennessee State losing 48-3. to That was a lopsided game. But here's the thing. If you look at the games that we have seen here, in two of their last three games, Against Power 5 conference opponents, Iowa has failed to score a touchdown on offense. Uh, I'm sorry, a passing touchdown. And so when we talk about Nate Stanley in a little bit, that's going to be something that really comes up here. Because Penn State saw in that Michigan game last week against Iowa that the Michigan defense was finally able to force some turnovers against Iowa. So maybe that's going to be something that continues and maybe that'll be something that carries over for Iowa because they're going to go back to the drawing board. They're going to try and see if they can correct some of those mistakes uh, moving into this big game uh, for them against Penn State. And it's a big game for Penn State too. So there's no question about that. So where Iowa sits right now in the Big Ten West, a division that I have awarded to Wisconsin already, I think Iowa is certainly going to be playing for second place here, but they are one and one in Big Ten play already, having lost to Michigan and now getting Penn State this week. They are actually trailing Minnesota and Wisconsin, of course, are both undefeated. Nebraska is actually ahead of them with one extra game played in Big Ten play. Nebraska's two and one. They are one of only two teams in that Big Ten West to have played three conference games already. The other one being Northwestern, who is 0 and 3. So I was chasing a little bit, and the schedule certainly is going to be something to watch for a couple of these teams, including the Hawkeyes, because of those crossover division games. Those are really the the, the difference in some placements in these standings, I think, moving forward, certainly in that West Division. You know, Minnesota gets a ch- gets to not play Michigan, Michigan State, I think, and Ohio State, but they will play Penn State. Meanwhile, Wisconsin gets Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State, and Iowa gets Michigan and Penn State. So it all kind of rotates, of course, but the luck of the draw is not exactly in Iowa's favor this week, but getting Michigan and Penn State in back-to-back games. So this is an interesting game and an interesting turning point potentially for Iowa. If they can win this game, their next few games look like some uh, pretty easy wins heading into a big road game at Wisconsin. They're going to get Purdue after this. They're going to go to Northwestern after this. So if if Iowa can score the win here against Penn State, their season is certainly well within reach of playing for a Big Ten title. They just have to win at Wisconsin. That's what, That'll be the big swing for them. But I think if they can get a win against Penn State, certainly things are looking much brighter for Iowa moving forward as far as that Big Ten West is concerned. So like I said, Penn State has won five straight in this series. They're going for win number six in the rivalry. And as of now, Penn State leads the all-time series 16-12-0. So that five-game winning streak has certainly turned the the record in their favor in these last few years. Remember, before this five-game winning streak going into this game, they had lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of the last nine games against Iowa dating back to 2000. It's been a frustrating period, but... Uh, the fortunes seem to have been reversed, although there have been some close calls, and we're probably going to get another one this weekend. 
All right, coming up in our next segment, we're going to take a look at a couple of key players for Iowa, one on offense, one on defense. These are names that you certainly know, but they're worth discussing anyway. We'll talk about it in our next segment. It's time to take a look at a couple key players for the Iowa Hawkeyes as they face the Penn State this weekend. And we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball with the quarterback, Nate Stanley, who actually played his worst game of 2018 against your Nittany Lions. And I was just going back and looking at these stats and the game logs from last year. And if you look at that box score that he had against Penn State, it was ugly. He goes 18 of 49 for 205 yards with two interceptions, no touchdowns, a completion, or I'm sorry, a passer rating of 63.7. That was easily his lowest passer rating all season last year. And he also had minus seven rushing yards because Penn State was just making life horrible for him on the defensive side. And of course, uh, Penn State wins that game. Uh, so th- that was that was the key for Penn State last year. And then you know it's going to be the key again this year, especially the way that this Penn State defense has been playing. They have been relentless. They had coming off a huge game uh, with the sacks against Purdue. And they're going to have to try and keep that going this weekend against Stanley in a raucous environment in Kinnick Stadium. As you know, it's going to be electric there. So it's going to be really important to kind of knock him out of his groove. And that was one thing that Michigan was able to do. So you can look at that script and you can see that if you can apply some pressure and make him make some bad throws, that offense is going to have some trouble going because as we saw last week, uh, Iowa's offense can struggle against some really good defenses, which I think Michigan has. And certainly Penn State has a really good defense right now. And this is going to be a big test for them because it's going to be trying to continue that momentum that they've established on the defensive line, taking it on the road into this environment where Iowa is looking to bounce back in a big way, especially on offense. And that starts with Nate Stanley. And I think that there's there's still some potential for Stanley to make some plays. He doesn't have his all pro tight ends that he had from last season. So that's still kind of a little bit of a question mark, although you can expect that Iowa's probably going to find a way to get their tight end involved. Uh, the running game is still going to be pretty pretty key for Iowa as well, but of course, running the ball on Penn State is not going to be easy. Um, Micah Sargent and Torin Young probably going to be splitting the rushing duties there for the Hawkeyes. Uh, they've had some pretty even stats so far this season, just three rushing touchdowns though to this point in the season. So the, the Iowa offense is nothing too intimidating I think coming into this game so that's why it relies so much on their defense and when you talk about the Iowa defense you're talking about one of the best players in the country and in, certainly in the Big Ten that's AJ Epinesa and he is just a, a ferocious beast on the defensive line and he's going to be the key guy that Penn State's offensive line is really going to have to slow down it's going to be really difficult to do that because he is he he has the ability to just get through tacklers, rush him, push him out of his way on the way to the quarterback and into the backfield, slow down the running game. That's why I think that it might be wise for Penn State to use some short passes that kind of keep the ball out of distance from him and try to find a guy quickly to kind of set up like a screen or something like that. It's going to be real important to get an offense that's able to get rid of the football quickly. And that's been a problem at times. For Penn State, you know, Sean Clifford, you know, certainly has had some really good passing stats the last couple of weeks, but it's uh, been an offense that has been a little inconsistent, and I think that that's the biggest concern Penn State should have going into this weekend's game uh, against Iowa with a defense that's led by a guy like Epinesa. He's just uh, 
He's a monster. <laughs> They're going to have their hands full with him. So there's no question that Penn State's going to have to find a way to slow him down because if they can't slow him down, that just energizes Iowa's defense. And as we've seen, this Iowa defense is what makes Iowa tick. So it's really important to kind of attack them early as often as you can. And Penn State has done a good job the last couple of weeks of starting quickly on offense. And sometimes the defense has made some plays as well to kind of give the ball right back to them to give them those opportunities. But I think if they're going to be able to do that against Iowa, it's going to be a huge advantage uh, because it's not going to be easy. And I think that's why it's important that they find a way to counteract what these guys on the Iowa defensive line are going to do and you know, kind of bring pressure on on Nate Stanley to make sure that he's going to be off to a rocky start and maybe he makes a, an early mistake. That's the one thing that Michigan was able to do, going back to Stanley. You know, he had not thrown an interception all season long. Go back to last season, the last time he threw an interception. But Michigan picked him off, I think, three times. So that should be something that Penn State is certainly looking at. And I think getting them, getting them under pressure is certainly the big first step there. And it's just a matter of having the guys in position to get their hands on the football when those passes are being thrown off the mark. That's going to be the, the big key here. But you know now that he can be picked off. And Penn State knows this because they picked him off two times last season. So I think this is going to be the, uh, the Nate Stanley story for Iowa because if he is – uh, playing some confidence football, I think Iowa's got a good chance to to keep Penn State's offense off the field and sustain a couple drives and put some points on the board, even against this Penn State defense. So to me, Nate Stanley's got to be the key player for Iowa. And I know it's kind of cliche to say that the quarterback is going to be the key player, but he really is. He really is. You know, Iowa scored just three points last week. They left a lot of points on the board. They had a lot of drive stall. So he has to be the guy that's going to make some plays against this Penn State defense to give them a puncher's chance or just a really good chance to come away with a, a much-needed victory uh, in that wide-open Big Ten West or so-called wide-open Big Ten West. So that's why I feel like you know, of all the players Iowa has, this is Nate Stanley's game. Uh, he is either going to lead them to the victory or he's going to be part of the reason, not necessarily the reason why they lose, but he's his the pressure that Penn State brings on him is going to be the big key for why Penn State may get out of there with the win. All right, coming up in our third and final segment of this episode, we are going to touch on a little bit more of a serious topic and then we'll try to lighten the mood a little bit on the way out. Uh, we need to talk about the letter. We're going to do that right in our last segment coming right up. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. As a lifelong Philadelphia area resident and sports fan, I have come to the defense of the Philadelphia sports fans as a whole far too many times to count in my lifetime. And I'm not going to excuse every Philadelphia sports fan of everything that gets thrown out there, but I do think lumping everybody together really is unwise because there are a lot of good sports fans in every fan base. And I think every city, and I think every college town, every fan base has a few bad apples that spoil it for everybody and everybody gets lumped in and characterized with what those idiots do. Penn State fans are no exception. 
the, collectively, Penn State fans are perfectly fine. There's no question about that. You know that. You're listening to this. I'm sure you're a good-natured Penn State fan who appreciates a good conversation, can appreciate and respect the opponent, and respect what the players and the coaches, what they're doing in their lives and everything like that. Uh, obviously, if there are problems that arise, we have to call them out for it. And one Penn State fan decided to write a letter to a player and let him know that he and his wife don't really appreciate the way he looks. They don't appreciate his hair. They don't appreciate the tattoos. They advised him, he advised this player to clean up his act, act like he's been there before. I could not stand reading this letter and it, it's just, it has to be called out and thankfully, it is being ripped to shreds by everybody that I've been seeing on Twitter. Not okay, not everybody, but it certainly has been making the rounds and it's reaching far beyond just within the Penn State community. It is being thrown out there. And unfortunately for this guy, he signed the letter. So everybody knows his name. Everybody knows that he's a Penn State alum. So people are already going to Facebook and finding him or allegedly finding him. I think that that's a little extreme, but I do think we have to call this guy out. So Dave Peterson, if you're listening to this, uh, I would love to invite you on the podcast and get you to kind of explain yourself a little bit and why you felt the need to write this letter to a player and let him know that you don't appreciate the way he looks. And I'm going to read part of this letter because it is quite frankly disgusting and it needs to be thrown out there. I'm going to read this one paragraph right here. Okay, after he gets through his intro and letting him know, letting this player know that he is a former athlete, a former Penn State student and a graduate and all that good stuff. He says, though the athletes of today are certainly superior to those in my days, we miss the clean cut young men and women from those days. Watching the Idaho game on TV, we couldn't help but notice your, well, awful hair. Surely there must be mirrors in the locker room. Don't you have parents or girlfriend who've told you those shoulder length dreadlocks look disgusting and are certainly not attractive? Okay, first of all, this is me speaking now. What the heck, dude? <laughs> I mean, first of all, that is just so blatantly racist and assuming. And you have no right to be interfering with this young man and the way he chooses to present himself. <laughs> that That's just, that's just perfectly a summation of everything that's bad about a Penn State fan that may be of the older generation, as this guy does claim to be. He's in his, I believe in his 50s, I think he said. So, I mean, he is a little bit of an older generation. But, I mean, seriously, I mean, you don't know that, you don't know who he has in his life. You don't know who says what to him. And you certainly don't have the right to tell him that you don't like the way he looks, so he has to change the way he looks. That's just ridiculous. I mean, where do you get off thinking that? I mean, we have to we have to address that question. You're like, what goes through someone's mind saying that uh, you prefer the clean cut look, so everybody must conform to your standards? I mean, come on, buddy. Seriously, get out of here with that. Let me continue reading what he says. Though. Okay, this is the next paragraph. We congratulate you on your game against Pitt, but you need to remember you represent all Penn Staters, both current and those alumni from years past. We would welcome the reappearance of dress codes for athletes. Okay. Why is he making this point to the player? If he has a serious concern about the way players representing his favorite university and favorite football team look, that's an address you take to the coach, if anything. And first of all, don't even bother wasting your time bringing it to the coach because you know what? The coach is doing things the way that he thinks needs to be done. 
you know, the fan is not in any right to suggest that these players need to have a clean look. They need to shave. They need to have short hair. They can't have tattoos. I mean, this is a different generation. And say what you will about the, the culture change in college football, but you know what? Cultures change in college football over time. That's just the way the sport evolves. That's the way people evolve. Uh, what goes as cool today isn't what was expected in years past. Players want to do different things. Players want to express themselves. And I'm all for that. <laughs> I, I just, it boggles my mind that this guy thought this letter was a good idea. <laughs> Honestly. Honestly. Now, here's here's the last paragraph because we have to read it. You will certainly be playing on Sunday in the future, but we have stopped watching the NFL due to the disgusting tattoos, awful hair, and immature antics in the end zone. Players should act as though they've been there before. For the glory, Dave Peterson. Okay, Dave, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here with that. I mean, that's just, I, I don't even know, again, I don't know what goes through a person's head thinking that this is a letter that's okay to send to a college student. Remember, these are college students. You know, Maybe it's one thing if this is a professional player in the NFL. And uh, yes, I know we've talked about the, the subject of fair pay for play. And technically, these, this is becoming a professional sport in a sense. But seriously, this is a college student that this guy in his 50s or whatever is writing to. And letting him know he doesn't appreciate it. Look, did he send this letter to other players? I've only seen the one letter being spread around as of the time I'm recording this. So I don't know if he has sent this letter to other players or not that he deems uh, disgusting and uh, un unattractive. <laughs> First of all, everybody's got a different definition of attractive. So this is just this guy's opinion. And we should take that for what it is. This is just one ridiculous out of touch guy who is now putting a black stain on the Penn State fan base as a whole, because you know this this, this letter. If it if you haven't seen it already, it's going to be spreading around different media circles, and people are going to say all oh, those Penn State fans are so out of touch. They want everything to be like the day the way Joe Paterno ran it. You know what? It's not Joe Paterno's program anymore. You know <laughs> this program has evolved uh, to what succeeds in today's game. Maybe Penn State doesn't have the national championship that they've been looking for in this new era yet, <laughs> but James Franklin and his players, they've got their own thing going, and it seems to be going pretty well, whether this guy likes it or not. Speaking of James Franklin, <laughs> let's lighten the thing up just a little bit as we head out for this episode and get ready for Wednesday's show. Uh, as you may know, if you're an NFL fan, you know the Washington Redskins made a coaching change of, with firing Jay Gruden for, as the head coach. And of course, anytime there's a head coaching change in the NFL, I'm going to get an email from some sports book out there letting me know the odds for their next head coach. So when I got an email from, I think it was, was it sportsbettingdime.com with the coaching candidates and the props for the next head coach of the Washington Redskins, the first thing I'm thinking is, all right, is James Franklin on here? And I'm going to let you know, no, James Franklin is not on this list, but you know who he is? Jim Harbaugh at 40 to 1, Lincoln Riley at 60 to 1, Urban Meyer at 66 to 1. Urban Meyer, head coach of the Washington Redskins, that would be, a, that would be interesting. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On Nittany Lions. We do this show every Monday through Friday on the Locked On Podcast Network, number one for daily sports podcasts and your team every day. 
Like I said, we do this every Monday through Friday. You can subscribe to the podcast and stay connected and don't miss a single episode. Get it right, delivered right to you on your phone, on your mobile device, whatever, with your subscription on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. And of course, you can always check out NittanyLionsDen.com. We'll throw these episodes up there as well. Of course, follow along on Twitter at LockedOnNittany and check out the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. Coming up tomorrow, we're actually going to flip the schedule up a little bit from what it was been posted and established as our routine last week. We're actually got a a different kind of episode probably lined up for Thursday. So I'm going to move our Big Ten preview episode up to tomorrow, Wednesday. So Wednesday will be our Big Ten day this week. Thursday, we'll dive more back into the Iowa conversation. Uh, We might be uh, doing something with our friends over from uh, Locked on Hawkeyes. So that should be pretty fun. So keep an eye out for that. Again, tomorrow's episode will be all about the Big Ten weekend preview as we look through the upcoming slate of Big Ten games, including Penn State versus Iowa. All right, guys, I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. And again, make sure you're staying subscribed to this podcast on all those podcasting platforms. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. And, of course, check out the new Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. Until tomorrow, everybody, have a great Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow as we continue talking about this Penn State-Iowa game and getting ready for this weekend around the Big Ten. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow.